back to uh, Keep Chugging Podcast. This is, I believe it's episode 31. And we're doing something really new this time. Uh, I think this is only the second time I've ever done a video podcast, like ever, of all time. So you can thank this one right here. This is Mel. This is his Hello. second time on the podcast. Good to be back. Right? You're sweaty as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all that chugging that it's I'm all doing. That, yeah. <laughs> it's all that chugging. And then uh, Chris is on my other side. Yes. Hello. And uh, yeah, we're. this is going to be a fun experiment that we've never really tried with the podcast, but I feel like it's time to do something new and... Sasuke is right here. I don't know if you can kind of see him. He's blending within the uh, tablecloth, but he's here. We're here on a hot, sunny day in South Orange County, North Orange County. Anaheim, about Anaheim. three blocks away from Chain Reaction. And um, yeah, so this is kind of awesome. Mel just came back from a awesome, which is, is it Asia tour? Yeah, it was Asia. Yeah. Um, Japan. Uh, Indonesia. So you, so if you're, so just to be clear, uh, it was an Asia tour. We went through Japan for four days. Mm-hmm. Why do I keep on saying Malaysia? Japan for four days, Singapore for one, Philippines, and then Vietnam. So that's insane. That's in, that's insane. Being able to like think of the idea of being able to go somewhere you've never been and play music, like that's awesome. Like to me, that was. The whole entire experience when it was mind blowing, yeah. like and humbling, and I don't know how to describe it other than like it felt like a dream, like you're tossed there and now you're back, and you're just like okay, <laughs> <laughs> normal day again. Like when I woke up, when I got back, it was like, did that happen? And mm-hmm. the the only like thing that makes me like recall that scenario is like just me is filming all your awesome instagram stories just just trying to spam <laughs> just spam it that doesn't happen very often so i figured just do it <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna definitely get deep into into your experience being a musician overseas because uh, there's so much i would like to i would love to open up about about that but as usual what we usually start with is what have you done what have you listened to this week so mel start us out what did you listen to this week good or bad hmm what's I, what caught your attention um, I've been very into EDM and rap coming out, like top forty okay. stuff. It, would you? I don't know if you consider it EDM. Like I, I listen to a lot of Billie Eilish, a lot of um, Elenium, Kaizo's new album. I'm say Kai, Kaizo's new single, and uh, Elenium. Did I say that? Did I say Elenium? So Billy, Billy Eilish, uh, Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish? Yeah. Because I said Elish for like, I legit said Elish for like three weeks. Okay. And I just got like hammered by everybody. Eyelash. Why don't we just call her Eyelash? Oh my God. I think Chris, Chris is, you're a big fan of Billy Eyelash, right? <laughs> I feel like no, if you I, just I say like it, it fast enough, you'd be able to get away with saying yeah, yeah, Billy yeah. Eilish. Eyelash. No, I, I like her music. So definitely different. Within her genre, she has a different, all the songs are a little bit different. Some are mm-hmm. fast, some are slow. So. Good little. I like how adventure. I like how they t- like how it was like presented because I feel like people wouldn't think about it, but it's it's very minimal and really focused on her, which was why I've been listening to like her stuff. Mm-hmm. It was interesting listening to her now because I've actually been into her for over two years. Oh. So seeing you know when she first started, when she started getting the singles mm-hmm. last year, she had the whole, I think it was Hallmark commercial where they mm-hmm. used one of her songs. 
So slowly but surely, they started putting her in, you know, certain spots. And you're like, hey, like, she's there. She's there. So I did a really good job slowly, like, getting her into different things. And everybody's like, where did she come from? I feel like that, because I didn't, to be honest, when I got into her, I didn't see, like, like that the side of it, the process. I just saw um, where you go when you, I'm going to get it wrong. I just saw the the album that came out. Mm-hmm. So that and that one thing she did with Khalid. So, oh, that's so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought like, oh, it's just like another like when when I heard that single, I was like, oh, it's just another like girl doing like soft vocals. And I think like this iteration, the, the album that came out just changed the whole entire palette for what you would get from like a female soft vocal and then everything around it. Yeah, because most people don't realize that she was in um, 13 Reasons Why soundtrack. First oh, one. yeah. I, I actually didn't watch. Oh, okay. So, well, for most so people that did, they didn't realize that it was her because oh. she wasn't really established or like making her name as much mm-hmm. then. And now you go back and you're like, oh, wait, she was on this. That's and cool. There's a couple like Easter eggs and a couple other things too. So, hmm. huh. I should cool. check it out. That, it's a good show. It's actually yeah. a good show. Uh, what'd you listen to? Because I know you, you actually did a lot of work these past two weeks on new releases. Carnifex, which dropped August 2nd, World War X. Um, Un Mazir, which is, I keep on um, talking about them, but they are Icelandic hardcore. Oh, cool. So it's really cool hearing their story and everything that... Um, for building around them. And then 69 Eyes, because they were on Bloody Disgusting. So I had to listen to one of their songs because I was at a video shoot. So kept on hearing that for like 50 plus times. So that was cool. Like in a row, right? Yeah. <laughs> and watching Danny Phil do his dances. Pretty pretty interesting. Um, and then Despised Icon. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. The, 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 and the Art is Murder. Art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta give love to them because their album was uh, 26 for Human Target. Mm-hmm. So. You're making me bands. feel <laughs> very behind in my like metal because mm-hmm. I I haven't listened to like the, the latest releases coming out for like metal other than Dayseeker's single that re- was released yesterday. Mm. Pretty good. Cool. But see, oh. um, I tend to have to, so mm-hmm. so I had to hype my band. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Curious about that, like, because how how does that, like, just flipping this on you, but how does that affect your perspective on, like, listening to music because Um, you're doing it for work? Does it keep you open-minded or does it, like, kind of... I think I already had a very eclectic taste in music before coming from, I was figure skating, so I would listen to classical Mm -hmm. musical, which is... Something that we, me and Mark always go back on because there's stuff that I listen to. And he's like, how can you listen to this? But like musicals, I like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, songs that are traditionally for figure skating. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on that. So it's very easy for me to do that. And then with cheer. So I, you know, poppy songs I'm used yeah. to. So and all the dance background that I have so that I can get into like just finding a beat. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I kind of have to get the balance of. Yes, I listen to metal, uh-huh. but that's the same thing with anybody in our office where they'll put on Lizzo, um, we'll have rap, and you're just like, okay. 
your metal label and you're you're listening to TLC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, interest. I know we're going off the rails here, but interestingly enough, like I've done when I've done the nail the mix trips, a lot of the people who I've done work with mm-hmm. or done work for with their when they're songwriting with a band, for example, like Eric Ron, mm-hmm. he like absolutely does not listen to like like any of the metal or any mm-hmm. of the stuff like in the time that he's doing the songwriting, he's listening to, uh, and Sam Pura too. He would be listening to a bunch of like the top 40 stuff. And then he'd go down to the songwriter. He'd look up the songwriter and then figure out who's doing the songwriting. And then the other acts and the other huh. artists that he did, and then go down the rabbit hole of the songwriter. Yeah. And then just kind of like either falling in love with that person's sound and then like re-implementing that into their production. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. No, I know with your with your whenever we go to a show or if you're playing or you're trying to write that you try not to listen mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, you need to stop listening to hard music. We need to listen to something else just so that you're not so overwhelmed with I listen to this, I'm writing this. Because well, sometimes that can come and influence your music as mm-hmm. well. That was the thing that we were talked about with um was uh, Michael Shanker. Oh he listens that, to nothing modern. That is very interesting. So he like, did Wait, so Michael Shanker, he's UFO Scorpions. He does uh, Michael Shanker Fest. I actually mm-hmm. got to do a press trip with him. And when we were on the way to Gear Gods, we were, you know, he was telling us all kinds of stories. But one of the interesting things was that he doesn't listen to modern music just because he feels that if he starts listening to it, then it's going to impact what he writes and he uh, wants original work. And it just mm-hmm. like that's such an interesting thing to hear. You don't really hear that many musicians you know, practice that, you know, a lot of times, oh, I'm listening to this, I'm listening to that. But he doesn't. And he's like, I don't want it to affect my playing. Well, I feel like, in a sense, that practice should be, like, not should be, but works well for some people, especially, like, in in our genre, or if you want to call, like, our umbrella, like, rock, heavy rock. Yeah. Just because, like, like, no offense to the people who write stuff, but I feel like because Architects blew up with Doomsday, and that happened. It just spiraled a bunch of these bands that want to sound like architects. Yeah, and to be honest, now because Architects made such an iconic single on the like Doomsday, now everybody who does that chord progression in that tuning with clean vocals, yeah, it's just it's that's what you hear. It just sounds like that's that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it you know not listening or when you're writing to other like bands doing that. Mm-hmm. can definitely or probably will like mm-hmm. alleviate and just make that like add more originality in playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's certain bands where I'll listen to the guitars and I'm like, this sounds like this band. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's that's true. Like that does sound or like they have like a little hint of like one might be Spanish mm-hmm. riffing and the one might be Egyptian, but you can still sense hear the undertone. The, yeah. 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 So it's kind of interesting. I've been listening to Mathcore, so. Oh, well, well <laughs> I expect to hear that from the, the, <laughs> the Mathcore guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you guys. That was great. Like, that's a good, uh, that's a great way to segue into um, super hyper, hard-boiled um, hypothetical questions. So, what we do in this one is I take, you know, three questions, super weird questions, and um, you guys get to answer them. Okay. So, First one, you're walking in a forest and you found a black suitcase. Inside it holds $1 million and a piece of paper stained in blood with a single word that says don't. Would you take the suitcase home or leave it? 
I'm taking it. I, I'm worth the risk. I'll take the million dollars and get the fuck out. <laughs> huh. It, it depends. Wait, who's going first? I just went, so you're going now. Oh, you're, you're, what are you doing with I'm it? I'm going. I'm taking. Oh, what am I doing first? Um, Japan. Probably, yeah, <laughs> probably as far away from Southern California, so probably run right to Japan. Huh? Because like, if if that, I don't know. Because morally, I feel like everything in my gut says this is this is probably bad. <laughs> this is this isn't going to bode well for me the at don't all. Don't should be a big indicator of that. This, yeah. this 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 will be a three. This will be a five year run for sure. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what it's going to be, mm-hmm. and that's where it's going to end. Because like, and I'm I'm like in my brain. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And I start, like, going down this rabbit hole. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to sit there, my gut says, tell someone mm-hmm. and, and just, like... Back off? Go away. And then... Because cause in, in my mind, that's... If I took that and my brain is going, well, you know, if it was, like, 1940 or, like, 1960... Okay. And there wasn't a cell phone, there probably wasn't a camera, and there probably was, like, not 808s randomly going off <laughs> and and if 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 i didn't feel like i was being watched because okay. at that moment i know that i am but being you're in the, you're in the middle of a forest i don't know where there's a forest in southern orange county but i was like what are you doing in the i mean forest? Yeah. <laughs> i mean if i was on tour it's a weird vi- we're, we're saying, we'll say it's a weird video shoot how's that you're, you're at a weird video shoot in the forest, because that's what that's what hardcore bands well, there's do. There's definitely a camera. Someone's <laughs> gonna know. Just make sure so that it's not in like Finland. Yes. Because you get lost. Yes. You yeah. get lost. Yeah. In so you're 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 not taking it, and you're reporting it. Probably shoot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like my gut says, do that. Okay. I would definitely sit and think about it for a bit. Cause, yeah. Because because money is definitely a huge enabler of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it easier. Where are you, Chris? Are you taking it? Or are you leaving it? Is a don't like ripped off from something? So maybe it says it just says else? single word don't, don't on, a, on, a, on, <laughs> on a paper, don't but it's in um, blood. It's in blood. It doesn't say don't take it. Yeah. It doesn't say don't touch. It just says don't. I mean, if you want to be, yeah. you want to be real specific. <laughs> don't forget this. Don't forget. I know that's why. It's like that. It can be ripped off and somebody <laughs> so totally forgot it. Yeah. They're like, look it. Don't leave it or mm-hmm. don't, don't not take out. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Under different contexts, it can totally be like, I died. Here's the money. Go have fun. You never know. Probably take it. You're going to take it? You're going to take it? I think. Okay. Adventure. For two, two out of three, taking it. Mm. Oh, right. I'm a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the tough one. I, I, I lucked this one up. This is a tough one. You find a book and begin to read only to discover that it is your life. You get to the point that you are at right now. Do you turn the page knowing that you will not be able to change the events that happen? That's deep. Yeah. So you're telling... So you have a book in front of you, and you start reading it, and from page one to page 75, you realize that it's your life story that you're reading. On page 75, you realize it's this moment. You're you're doing the podcast with me. Do you turn the page and see what's going next? Or do you just like, no, like, I'm closing the book. So when I turn the page... Yeah. I am unable to change yeah, the events it's still, of that page. It's still going to happen. So, so you're asking me. So you're asking me. Do I want to be emotionally prepared for what's going on? Sure. Or do I want to be just like surprised? So I'll be honest. I read this <laughs> and I'm like, I'm skipping to the end. <laughs> I'm going right to the last page. The and you're looking, filling in the blanks. I'm looking for the date. I'm looking for the time. I'm looking for how you know. Can't. 
I think I think I do that. You just go right to the end. I, be, that way, I know, like, okay, cool, like I've got like X amount of years mm-hmm. I can plan, and then like when it's done, it's done. But now I know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, if it said tomorrow, I mean, I that's, guess that's uh, like I, that's I a hope short that's read. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, a good at least read. then you know, and you can spend it how you wanted to. And it's not like an abrupt. Oh crap! Like. I don't know when I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it happens on some moment where. I guess that's a good way to go peacefully. Yeah. Or to go satisfied. See, for me, the, that way, if you know it, then you can change it. I'm going to the end going like, okay, I, it's in 20 years. I know not to do something dumb in 20 years. But or I do something. You, you can't change it. Do something really dumb earlier. This is not Dragon Ball Z where you're going to have to go back. And Those aren't sensitive everything. <laughs> Okay, well, I, mean, I would I would definitely spend a lot less time watching Evil Dead too. Oh <laughs> yeah, I I think I'd skip to the end and plan. Okay, and that's par- partially because you said that's possible. Yeah. See, that, that's, I'm wondering if it if, if even in the book it says you're going to skip to the end. What if uh-huh. the book says you're going to skip to the end and read it? And that would be the next page. Yeah, and be like, ha, yeah, jokes on you. <laughs> well, then, I guess. I'd probably flip one page, and then once I realize, hey, joke's on me, I'd be like, I'm going to put this down. Uh, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write it. Not write it. Or, or whatever. Live it out. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you do flip to the last part, does it? do you know that how many pages it is? Because technically, oh. it be, that's the next page. Shit, that's a comic book. <laughs> you know, like so, so the book keeps growing? Well, it's dynamic. You, you you think that you're going towards the end, and it's just oh, it's just that page. That page. Oh, yeah. mm. Mm. now you're getting now we're getting real deep. Mm. So I think we all agreed that we're skipping to the end. <laughs> okay, last one, and then we're moving on to your to your fun stuff. This one. Would you accept a thirty thousand dollar a week job where you get paid to sit in a pitch black room and do nothing for eight hours a day? Can I think? You can do whatever you can do whatever you want, but you have to sit in a pitch black room and do nothing. Can the pitch black room be in different places? Because this is a pitch black room in different contexts. <laughs> you don't get paid to sit here. Sometimes I do. <laughs> no, but you but you but do nothing. You have to do nothing. You're doing nothing except sitting in that one spot. Can this work? Can this do? Yeah, things? sure. I mean, you can. How you, long do I have to be there? Uh, yeah, however long you want to make thirty dollars, thirty thousand a week. So like I can I can choose to start and stop this job. Sure. Cool. Then I do it for probably once. One one week. <laughs> one, one, one week. One week. I do it for one week uh, a month. Bankroll my okay my project. So for five days, <clears throat> out of every month. Yeah. You can sit in a pitch black room and do nothing. I definitely do my fucking best. Okay. Like, I'll tell you that. I'll sit there and do nothing. You got to be awake. You, you got to be awake. It's not like you can go in there. Well, how is eight hour days? Eight hour days. But I can think. Sure. Right? You, yeah. You yeah. I do that. Okay. I sit. I sit there for a whole week because thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars is going to enable me in the other three weeks of the month to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. To be to be creative. To be to be like a complete loser. Mm-hmm. To 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 just fuck off. Mm-hmm. Uh, just do you know? Yeah. See, I'm fun. I'm I'm into the idea, and I'm I absolutely hate the idea at the same time because I would love to do a uh, isolation chamber. 
Uh, I don't know. You know, a license. Yeah. Okay. I would love to do that, you know, but I have to pay for that experience. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for that experience, let alone five days a week. Um, I don't know if I could do this. Really? Yeah. I, I, that's a lot of money, but I don't know that I could sit and do nothing for eight hours a day. Do you meditate or do you? I tried. I, I just can't, can't, can't get the brain to shut off. Mm. I know a lot of people that would like that really like that experience. Like my, my singer is very like, I think he'd do that. Okay. Like he, he would legit sit there and, and same thing with uh, my other singer, bass player, Damon. Mm-hmm. he'd sit there. Cause like he just recently took a job where he was like, I don't want to deal with people. Mm-hmm. I want to hang out, like have this go mm-hmm. and then do something kind of rudimentary or something simple. Okay. So he, he, he's working at SKB right now. Okay. So in t- for him, he was like, I, if, if I get eight hours to meditate. Yeah. He's, he's stoked that. Yeah. Cause he comes back with like, he comes back after he, he would go up. So he'd get off his, I know it's like a tangent, but he'd get off of his shift at like eight AM mm-hmm. after done. He'd hit me up because that's about the time that I'm waking up and be like, Hey, I'm inspired. Like right after his graveyard shift and be like, let's do stuff. Okay. And then in his, he like puts on like AirPods and then just throws on like an instrumental and then starts freestyling and then records it. Mm. I know that's not the same thing, sure. but if your brain can go, yeah. you know, you'd find ways to, to make that happen. It, what's your answer? I don't know. Like, I know I can keep myself busy and like the meditating part mm-hmm. just cause there's never, there's not that much time where I get to just do that. I'm always having to work on somebody else's schedule. So mm-hmm. being able just to sit down, that probably would be nice, but I'm always so used to moving that I think I'd get bored. Because I'm, I, I, he knows I'll wake up, I check emails. Even mm-hmm. if I just wake up like yeah. at 5 a.m., okay, I need to make sure that there's no press releases. I go back to sleep another hour. Hey, do I have any more? Okay, I need to start working. Do you have like, like a sense of anxiety when you're waking up or yeah, like that intuition? Um, usually I know my schedule, so I kind of know what I'm, you know, what time to wake up. But sometimes, like, this week where I get right into work and, hey, your your artist is in urgent care right now. Um, so you need to cancel all the interviews that you have and try and figure out when you can do it next. So it's like, okay, you have to switch your mind and just be like, okay, I need to call this person, I need to call this person. And then this whole, <laughs> like, avalanche of tasks. Yeah. You know, no, I get it. Because then I have everything else I have to do after. So if writing press releases... Or do I have to schedule an invite or make sure that something else is getting um, confirmed? So mm-hmm. it's always something like they never have to tell me you get to work on this, this, and that. I have my own schedule, but I know what I need to have done on certain days. Mm-hmm. So. so, Mark, would this be her only job? That's the thing. Like, like all that that she just said, like, turn all that shit off. It goes away. It goes away. Yeah. Your job is to just sit and be in darkness. Who's benefiting from this? This is weird. <laughs> I mean, I, you could ask that about most jobs. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was that was fun. Um, so okay, we're gonna get we're gonna circle back to your your awesome Asian tour. That sounds like a weird porno. That, title. That, that, no, I, mean, I mean, it was titled that. Okay, it said uh, Asian, oh, awesome Asian tour. Some okay. people said Asian. Some flyers said Asian tour. Some mm-hmm. flyers said Asian tour. So that's, so, that's correct. Uh, we got the chance to, you know, obviously be in touch while you're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, how was the, I, I want to really get into like the culture shock, like the culture difference between 
your, you know, how your experience was out there. I mean, not knowing the language, but having these people kind of interact, sing with you these songs, um, just getting back, getting shit done. Like, I can't, I can barely go to, to Hacienda Heights mm-hmm. and order milk tea without them looking at me like, <laughs> I, I speak, you know, I speak the language, I understand what you're saying, but there's always that like, why, why are you here? You know? Well, well, in this situation, I think ja- I think Japan itself gets a lot of tourists. So okay. it was it was there. The Japan's like that country itself was a lot of blank stares because I'll say something I'm like, oh okay. But luckily, our tour guide uh, Tatsu, uh, he he was with us every step of the way. So mm-hmm. he drove the car, he mm-hmm. drove everywhere, and that was a trip too because lo- roads are narrow there. I had like. Anxiety. They're not really into cars either, right? Like that's not a super um, car car culture like over here. Yes and no. Um, where because of how like the schedule was, mm-hmm. we were in a car a lot. Okay. So, but we had like a, on our days off, we took the train. Okay. We, we walked through. I guess. I guess you could say stuff is close. Stuff feels closer, mm-hmm. but like in a different sense, further apart. Okay. Just because of how i guess the the pacing i I haven't been to new york like in downtown Mm -hmm. and i I haven't lived in la okay but i could say it's kind of like that with a different flavor okay um but as far as like i guess you have the biggest thing for me is just how the shows were conducted like number one the most female sound engineers i've ever seen that's so so I think three out of four of the venues we, we played were done by female uh, front of house engineers. That's, that's interesting. And female stagehands. And probably the the last place we played uh, in Yokohama was probably the best. Like, competitively, Yokohama and Kyoto was the best kick drum sound I've ever heard in huh. my life come out of like a house, uh, like the house drum set. Yeah. I, like out of a Beta 52, my least favorite kick mic. Too. So it, the whole entire experience to me was, whoa, like everybody here is very, re- like, number one, it's like respect. Mm-hmm. There was like a huge amount of, it might have been because we were the like international band or the foreign band or the touring band or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But there was a large amount of like, whoa, you guys are here and we're going to stay. Like every oh, band wow. was going to Every band was going to stay. Everybody was there. Everybody said hello. Mm-hmm. And before this happened at every venue, we would go up, roll up, do sound check. And after sound check, we'd have a little bit like a 10 minute, like decompress. All the bands would, and every member would go up in a circle. The promoter would talk. I didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> and uh, Tatsu, he was talking too fast for Tatsu to like sure. heavily translate. But Essentially, he introduced everybody, said, this is this band. Mm-hmm. The band would step forward, say, hi, like, we're this band. Mm-hmm. We're this kind of sound. And uh, we're happy to be playing for you. And then bow. And then that went around in a circle till it got to our band. And then the bar back, the, the bartender, the sound guy, the, or in this case, the, the sound person, sure. uh, the stagehand, and the promoter would all introduce themselves. And then the touring act, us, would introduce ourselves awkwardly in English. And huh. then, like, say, like, and then that set a huge tone, like, for the whole show. Because 
now everybody knew each other mm -hmm. and there wasn't this ambiguity of, Hey, I've seen you online on Facebook and like, it's cool to be playing with you. And we'd have to introduce ourselves like that forced, like we were in the stage. Mm -hmm. So like we knew it was, maybe it was because I was on like the touring end and we got to kind of see the place and we were being like taken care of mm -hmm. in that sense. But it seemed like everybody had that about them. Like this sense of, Hey, what's up? How's it going? We are this band. We're happy to be playing with you. And that wasn't, and that seemed shared amongst the different, what's it called? The bands to bands. So I get it. There, There's like tears and everybody has that respect of like, everybody's like coming up and, oh, this band's a solid band. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that. Like kind of like how we have here. Sure. Like how we would have for like the bands that are killing it in each respective regions. But in, in this sense, it seemed like the ice was broken. So there wasn't this like, let's, just intermingle with our own clique. Yeah. Like people did, but, and even at the end, it was customary after the show for the bar to open up, not necessarily kick everybody out, but push everybody out who wasn't playing the show. Everybody gets a drink and everybody has a good time and everybody talks. And then we can kind of share like socials and do that. And that's just something that I'm not used to. Yeah. That doesn't sound like anything I've ever seen. Like that, that like specifically in Japan, I think in the other countries, it also happened, but I can get into why we didn't get to stay sure. for, for those, it, it, like, on a different piece, but, or in a different, like, topic. Mm. But that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me, like, a lot of respect in Japan. And I feel like I really want to go back there again mm. with, like, my own project, mm. because I feel like, in a sense, it's just that that was so refreshing. Even, mm -hmm. Well, being exposed to that, being exposed to a different style of community, not just one that you, there's a language barrier, but it seems like there was a lot of just physical presence, physical interactions with each other that you don't necessarily get over here. Uh, that sounds so, not just foreign to me, it just sounds so like, why isn't this a practice? Like, why isn't this something that, hey, you know what this person's doing? He's playing music just like you're doing. Mm -hmm. Go talk to them. You have something yeah. to talk about. You know, yeah. like, uh, that's not that hard to understand. And yet over here, it's like, uh, we don't know. Like, even if you don't do the whole, like, click thing, you're just like, I don't really know what to say to you. Well, I think for one in Japan, like it, it's like we even have this perception here. And, and our perception is semi, like, true to a percentage when we see, like, like they're into rock and it's not like for us, like if, if you and I are playing rock versus being like a DJ or a hip hop artist or anything that puts in the limelight, mm -hmm. it, it, we have a different stigma to us. And we're kind of like the outcast. Like that's what okay. I feel like our music is. So like culturally, we're just kind of like introverts because we, we became introverted because like our craft became our like sense of uh, what's called communication okay. rather than us being like, Hey, what's up dude? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like party and like, like, and I get that that's still a thing in, in rock, yeah. but more so now, especially with who I see us playing with, we write music to express and communicate things that we just can't say. Sure. So because that's like, I feel like it, it's like an introverted language. And, and then in Japan, you see rock still being a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Heavy music is still a thing. Like, 
it's not like J Rock is huge. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not weird. Like, like it, to my, I don't know why it surprised me, but Ocean's Eight Alaska's Hikari was huge there, even though like, like oh, to me it was like cool. They're adding like that Oriental, but Oriental flavor. They're adding like a bunch of Japanese tone, but it definitely hit home for like it seemed like I heard it like being played and like amongst like I heard it played a lot in the places and then we went to record stores and they still like like Tower Records is huge there and then like the small mom and pop record store stores are a thing and then like the cash cash I don't know if it was the owner I I language barrier mm. took pictures with the band and it seems like like I saw Silent, Silent Planet's poster there oh, and wow. I was like this is sick because it's like it's getting there it's going there it's it's reaching there it's it's like it feels so much smaller like the world because of our i guess genre or a heavy side of music or warp tour scene or i don't i don't know what to, to title this mm-hmm. this umbrella we call the music that we play right but because it's not like like top 40 rock it's not mm-hmm. festival music but it definitely is something that is reaching there in ways that brings communities mm-hmm. out and i feel like those communities are far more rewarded there than they are here mm-hmm. and that because there's more i i don't know because i didn't i wasn't there long enough to understand the economy but i feel like there's more money put into those venues okay which mm-hmm. makes the bartenders not want to leave at the end of the show that we don't have this culture of, they don't have this culture of like i want to go home they have this culture of i want to be here because i'm here mm-hmm. and i'm doing the thing that i want to do because i love it and that translated to us when yeah. we were there as guests yes so like i i often and i i'm not in a virtue but i definitely felt like Going from the bands that I play and the bands that I filled in for, I feel like, whoa, like this is, I don't know if I, like, I want to work up to this, yeah. but I don't know how I'm going to get here. And it's, it's a, it's a huge shock coming back to humble right. st- touring in the States right. or humble playing in the States. Right. So a massive disconnect from, yeah, almost being close to a superstar over there to like. Yeah. And, and. Another dude that plays drums. Yeah, and and my, specifically my perspective is because I'm a villain. I'm not in the press. I'm not in any of that. And like I'm, I was keeping my head down for a lot of the stuff. So I'm like for the Instagram recaps for my stuff. I made stuff for me for my sure. memories. And but like the, the stuff that the label needed was that yeah, I'm not in it right. because that's my job. Right. So for for stuff like that, like the 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 people who who are familiar with like the people the band who is playing didn't recognize me as a band member. So I didn't get to experience like that side of, Hey, you're in that band. So like, I'm stoked to take pictures of you. Usually was like the Damon would call me over their The bass player on the tour, the guitar player of the band would, would call me over and be like, Hey, come in for the shot. And then I was like, Oh, sick man. Thanks. And then they would like take two or something like that. But that, that was like, I think that's an isolated experience for me, but that was the biggest culture shock. And coming back here, knowing that we all could do a little bit better to be more welcoming to our own community and the music that we play and not like you said, like you, you, like before we were talking, like have that friction sometimes when you play shows and go like, 
what are you doing? Like I saw bands with, with a singer guitarist and then everything was backing. And then the whole entire set was done with like a sample pad. Oh, and then like, completely something that I feel like metal dudes or like be like, Oh, that's not real because like they're not playing everything like in that whole entire culture. Cause like I've been a part of that culture. I've even like hated that stuff and like frowned upon it because it's not organic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But those dudes were playing alongside and mixed genre was a thing that was more so well received there than I feel like here. And, and, like like I said before, more girls in bands. I think every lineup had at least like two girls or like a girl or two, which is I know it's kind of weird for me to say this, but like it seemed like they were just overall it's more accepting mm -hmm. and it's like more of a thing. Well, look, I mean, we've kind of talked about that on one of the previous podcasts where the not to just laser focus on one thing mm -hmm. that you said, but the girl thing. Over here, it's a gimmick. Over here, it's something that mm -hmm. is used to sell a band. Where it sounds more like something over there, it's just another band member. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not... That's definitely what it felt like. Yeah. And definitely, like... It, it just felt organic. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like, we're doing this, and then we're going to put the limelight on you, and then we're going to use that to be the the big things. So right. I, I didn't think about it... I, I, I've, I didn't think about it right now as the like a gimmick sure but sometimes i do see it as like, a gimmick as such uh, and, and like we're in 2019 uh, like i said we talked about i'd love to get in deep with you but the the overall conclusion was like it's 2019 in the u.s sell me your band how are you gonna sell me your band give okay. me give me a gimmick it's you, a product you gotta have a gimmick you gotta have yeah. something like uh i was talking to a buddy of mine uh at the chain show and i'm not gonna name the band because i do actually really love this band uh, their music's dope, but they're using um, the vocalist is currently in transition, going from guy to girl. Okay. They're using that as a selling point for the band. I understand, like, that's not super, like, controversial anymore, mm -hmm. but it's also not, it really shouldn't be used as a selling point. Like, if I'm going to like your band, I'm going to like your music, yeah. that, ha that should have nothing to do with what your gender is yeah well that's something that i always felt weird on because it's like i always felt this this huge dissonance between like front image like i've got to play that game front like this yeah like i've got to play like i've got to look like this i've got to i've got to i've got to shape Persona. up yeah i've got to have this sex appeal i've mm -hmm. got to have this and and it, I like that she smiled at that. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie behind the camera, everybody. So everybody's say thank you to her. <laughs> but, like, I've, I've got to have more than just my music. Right. And I get it. There's tons of people out there, tons of people doing the thing. How do I stick out? Mm -hmm. And But there's just certain things that make me feel like the music is disingenuine. Mm -hmm. Just because it Secondary. becomes a marketing thing. Yeah. So, like... Like another friend of mine has is in an all female band, mm -hmm. and she's the primary songwriter. Loves the stuff, but because all of her band members are girls, mm -hmm. it's like, oh well, you're just an all girl band, right? And frankly, she's being genuine with her music. Mm -hmm. Became like a thing. Called a bunch of her buddies. Mm -hmm. 
happen to be able to all play instruments. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. From what from the little bit that you said, it sounds like with something like uh, 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 the Japanese bands where it was more. It's a band. Just happens to have a female in it. That's yeah. it. That, that's it. Yeah. That's it. It ends there. Um, I find that's interesting. That's that's. I find that interesting. Sorry, dogs. I, I just feel like it's like a culture, like like the way the culture has progressed and the way the cult the culture puts stuff out in the media, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely like translates in a way that feels. N- and I, I haven't been there my whole life, so like, or or for more than one week, so yeah. I, I, I might have a, a different perspective, but like, it just felt like I wasn't getting pushed on a product, right? Which which was interesting, but and but but there were some bands that wore like all the same things and did the same things that we sure. we we all do here, sure. but like it didn't feel like here's my thing, buy it, take it, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of those things that I, you know, I've always been curious about the Japanese music scene. I've always been curious about like American bands being able to get over there, let alone American bands that are still, I don't know much of a virtue, but I, Mm. I would assume that they're still trying to be established, still trying to establish the name. Well, it's interesting. So they, they just brief quick aside, they did a Europe tour and this is my perspective. And from what I've talked to to Damon, so I guess they did like an AP launch and then they metrically did well in Europe mm. and then they did well here too. And then Spotify numbers were huge, picked up by Sharp Tone. So they're on the same label as Dayseeker for mm. people who know Dayseeker. Um, and they just kind of popped off there and went there overseas. Gotcha. So they did like tons of Europe tours. They have done that a lot and they've done a few rounds in the States. Mm-hmm. And I met them touring with uh, Redeemer Vive and filling in for their drummer. Mm. And then I became really good friends with the dr- their drummer and their their singer. So they hit me up when uh, their drummer wasn't un- yeah. wasn't able to do th- this the thing. Came through. So they 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 are. They, I think they do well. Like from what I've seen, mm-hmm. like CDs are there. People know them. People they people have been listening. Like they. Two album cycles back, people were in the merch. Okay. And then he's like, I don't even know how you got that shirt. <laughs> like, and then people would show up. And to me, that was like, whoa, this is nuts. Because yeah. this is like further back the line. Yeah. And it's like back then, like five years ago, it's a lot harder. Like, I remember what five years ago was like and how five years ago distribute. I, I can't even fathom distributing like a record, like anything record the same way that it is now or mm-hmm. how easy it is now and mm-hmm. like merch and stuff like Anything. that. That's hard. Yeah. So how, how those dudes got that <laughs> merch is like blew, blew their mind. Yeah. And in, in turn me, yeah. I was like, Whoa, dude, that's sick. Yeah. Congrats. Cause that would have been like no label support. All, yeah. all self basically self distributed. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. And I think people there look for the music. That's, that's something with our cult with, with, uh, that's something that I've been finding out with American culture, that there's not a hunger for new music. And I've been seeing that with some UK, some Indonesia, some India, obviously Japan, some of the, some of the Australian, you know, stuff where they are actively looking for like, yo, sell me something new mm-hmm. where it feels a lot of the U S is very much entrenched in like, this is familiar. This is comfortable. 
I've been listening to this for the past 10 years. I don't feel like finding something new. Well, I, I, I feel like everything you said up until like that last sentence, mm-hmm. I can disagree on. Okay. Like I can agree on everything you said up until that last bit. Sure. Because if you think about it, why did Billy pop? Why <laughs> did what? Because it felt like, or, or uh, debate with me here. Do you feel like it's fresh? Like her style is fresh? No, absolutely not. You don't feel like no. Look. Okay, look, I like Billie Eilish. I love mm-hmm. the I, I love the idea. I love the music. I love the music now as it hits. It is the same stuff that we heard ten years ago in emo music. I'm not gonna lie. I've heard this same style. It's just packaged and put out in a way that seems fresh and new, and for people to be able to digest now. I've heard all those chord progressions. I've heard all those songs. I've heard mm-hmm. all that all that content, and it sounds dope, and it sounds really cool, and love this girl with with you know the the fresh idea. It's not anything new. So why? Because I feel like the the reason why it feels fresh mm-hmm. is because it's not like you said the packaging. Sure. So so I feel like there's only so many good ways to write a song but, that that you know what I mean that hit home to a lot of people who are willing to organically of course buy it. Without, I'm not trying to cut you off, but without mm-hmm. going back too far, you're talking about the gimmick. You're literally talking about what we just talked about. You're selling mm-hmm. a, a package of a young girl who has some ability. I'm not, I'm not arguing mm-hmm. her ability. I'm not arguing the songwriting, but you're selling a fresh package where it's like, yo, check this out. Here's something new. Here's a girl you've never heard before. No, we've kind of heard her. We've kind of heard this before, but it, not, it, it hasn't been this readily available before. Well, I heard the vocal approach, but I feel like the production is what what oh, made it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about because, okay. like, that's what you hear. Yeah. You're not like every like if you give a if you give anybody mm-hmm. an acoustic guitar and they can sing. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen it all over TV. Mm-hmm. We've seen it all over like American Idol. Mm-hmm. There's tons of talented people right. out there. There's tons of talented songwriters out there. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they getting out there? Because the like. In my mind, the reason why that album popped off is was the palette was fresh. Sure. And that's what I feel like. You're like, you know what I mean? Like Japanese bands, if we're going kind of, I'm trying to segue back there, but mm-hmm. if, if we're going there, they, they, they mess with weird palettes. Mm-hmm. Like they go in odd directions. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we, because there's only so many chord progressions that are digestible sure. that we're going to like like to listen to and like to play. And there's mm. so many so melodies that we're going to latch onto. Mm. Because there's only like, what, eight notes in a scale? Right. So like, there's only 64 combinations that we can get into mm. until like rhythms become ridiculous, which is why prog music is a thing. Sure. But if you if you think about it in like that, why those people are latching on to, to, to Billy and her palette mm. is because it, it's a different... Like that's that's fresh, mm-hmm. and I feel like though like of different cultures, they're they're messing around with it more. While we like like you said, like like this comfortable repeat cycle of mm-hmm. things, and just kind of like go down, especially with how YouTube and how like Facebook and how people like we legitimately click like on something, and that tells us to keep on giving the, right. us the same thing. Right. So what are we doing? We're getting stuck in the same loop, right. of repeating and creating the same content. Mm-hmm. And then what do we do? We see a bunch of like, even content creators outside of, outside of music, rip off the popular content. Sure. Creator. As soon as Casey Neistat hit big, mm-hmm. 
everybody wanted to vlog. Mm-hmm. Or as soon as I don't, I don't know if he was no, the big you, one, but that was a big there, one for me. There's plenty of there's actually plenty of examples of of uh, I forget his name right now, right off my head, but I think it was Finn McKenty had he yeah. had put his examples of like there was a beauty blog that I took in, inspiration from. There was this blog I took inspiration from, mm-hmm. and then I mashed those into what I do, and that's his his um, punk rock MBA yeah. channel, and it's like. It's those influences that you guys like this. How can I tailor that to what I do? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's cool. That works for him. Um, more of my thing is just, it took a, it took a while for people to get to that product, to get out of that comfort zone of just like in here. Um, or, or... I guess I would say just, just in, in a generalized in music, like you, there's a lot of people that complain about a band where, you know, they, they repeat themselves on the same record. They'll yeah. do, they'll do record one. And then record two is, is basically the same record. And you know, you have those people that are like, well, you didn't try anything new, but when a band does try something new, then you bitch about that too. Yeah. Like, and, and that's done here. Yeah. Like on a local level. So mm-hmm. when someone tries to do something fresh, yeah, they're immediately chastised for being fresh out of the comfort zone. That's what yeah. I mean. You get out of somebody's comfort zone and then it's like, well, I don't want to repeat myself. I'm making art for me. I thought that was who I'm yeah, well, supposed I to please yeah, first. Yeah. And you don't, you know, you, he's, he loves your drink. You, you don't please <laughs> those people. You can't please those people. You can't please the new fans. And then those new fans end up, you know, five seconds later looking for the next new thing, mm-hmm. which at least they're looking for music. That's my thing. At least people are looking, at least those flight fans are looking for something new. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how people discover music. Yeah. Like, if we like, knew that, we'd be a lot further along. Like, on, especially on that end, I feel like the Spotify playlists and I feel like the, like, the Spotify playlist, Friends, high school for me played a big factor. Mm-hmm. Me wanting to be in with the crowd and a lot of girls that, like, I ended up, like, hang out with would show me music mm-hmm. not dudes mm-hmm. dudes would just be like yeah sick band and it would like like in high school nine times out of ten it was metallica nine inch nails mm-hmm. tool or like any type of like classic rock band that their dad listened to and i was like these are legit musicians but girls were always the person like people who showed me stuff that was Fresh way out of my comfort zone who, who was the one that we were watching that said if you get girls if you can win girls um, they'll, then your band is successful. I know we watched something where where can't you can't remember that one. We watched so many different. I mean, podcasts. it might have been Finn. I know that's all. I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure because it might have been. It sounds um, like when he starts thing. talking about like the different personalities of why somebody got over, somebody didn't. Yeah. And some of them, it's like they talk about the singer being charismatic, but they have that. You know, if you can get the girls, mm-hmm. then you can get the guys to follow. So, mm-hmm. so that reminds me. That reminds me of shout out to Finn, but. <laughs> that reminds me of another thing that he he mentioned. So like Inner Shikari and Attack Attack. Mm. What's the difference? They did similar things. Mm-hmm. Inner Shikari arguably did it first. Mm. This is like I'm I'm only citing Finn on this because it's something that it took away from his thing. So why did Attack Attack win that that whole entire EDM metal thing? Okay. Well, they had a they had a frontman that everybody could latch onto. Mm-hmm. They had someone who looked hot as fuck, tall as hell. And had a had a charisma. Yeah. Like, do I like his vocals? No. I, I and did I like the songs? 
I couldn't latch on to anything except Second and Sebring. Mm-hmm. So I I tried. I like legitimately. I was like, "What's this about?" Put the CD in my car and just looped it, and it it, it didn't hit me. Mm-hmm. But Enter Shikari had like a bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. I was like, "This is sick." Mm-hmm. But I'm a musician. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes writing stuff, yeah. and I'm a guy looking for fresh things. So yeah, you know, and then a lot of the stuff we're talking about, I feel like that deals with you know what you have to deal with too is trying to get bands to be covered, be discovered new music that's out like do you feel like there's not much of a i don't know what the word is not much of a demand for finding new music like mm. like it feels like with a lot of bands that that you deal with they're already established so yeah. they're not really finding anything new that's the hard part is that a lot of them are your legacy bands where they already have their set loyal fans so trying to get you know for the newer bands you know, trying to find where they fit in, whether it's them getting on a tour with mm-hmm. um, an older band, which that helps, you know, both sides because then, you know, the people coming for the opening band are, might be able to latch on to the older bands. But there's a lot of bands or older bands that aren't doing that. So that's kind of harder because there's not really that like middle ground. Well, because I feel like- it's either they're really new. Or you've already made it. So I feel like that's the hard part because like like say you're an older established band. Mm-hmm. So your fan base is older and they've mm-hmm. established their music taste. Mm-hmm. So when you have an opener band, like yeah. this band's cool. Yeah. I'll watch them. Yeah. But it, I don't I don't know if it goes further than that. So that old type of formula, like yeah, we need to get on a big tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to get on this sick like like show and open for this band. Yeah. The 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 band fan base is going to come later Mm -hmm. and then you get like the really like cool you get the people hungry for new music yeah and that's probably like 25 percent yeah to 50 percent being generous Mm -hmm. of that person that that fan base but especially in metal i've I've felt this strong like i like this this is sick Mm -hmm. and that's about it it. yeah that's hard (laughs) but then i think that with Older bands, they kind of have to tour with the younger bands because, yeah, their They're fan base is yeah. older. Yeah. So what happens when they get too old where they can't go to shows? So that's why they're trying to, you know, which band makes sense for them to tour where it, it's not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. a far out stretch. I think Papa Roach is the only band that sticks out to me immediately. Maybe some 41 that's doing that in a way that feels organic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then as far as like the, I guess the legacy metal bands, I feel like it's this weird loop or this weird like reintegrating. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the, the older bands, you know, they're so used to how the community was before. And so trying to reintroduce and be like, hey, you know, there is a younger crowd. You need to start, you know, establishing your fans that do go on Spotify because the older people, not so much. Like, yeah, you can get your sales. You know, they'll buy, you know, your collectibles. Uh-huh. But streaming numbers are starting to get, you know, some weight. And, you know, I can't remember what the, how many streams equal one album, but it's still affecting. Yeah. I, a lot of the bands that we have, their numbers are like 100%, 200%. And there's some of the older bands so you are like, yeah, like, that's great, but some of them don't realize and they don't understand that because it's not something that they grew up with and they're still learning. So just trying to figure out um, 
Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's how to translate. It's how to how do those how okay, you're saying basically how do you tell older bands, well, these many streams equal your mm-hmm. record sales. And yeah. they don't they don't get that because they're just still in the no, but how many records did we sell? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And some of them they you had you kinda had to break it down to them and realize like, oh, you know, those younger bands, they have fans that are gonna go on Spotify. You know, they might see you at one show and maybe they'll start listening. So, yeah. It's hard because there's not really like that middle ground anymore. Mm-hmm. There's not like, it's hard when some labels aren't thinking about. Yeah, it's going. Sorry. Some <laughs> people aren't thinking about what's coming next. Like, like we, as far as the market? Yeah. Or, well, just developing bands mm-hmm. because it's easier to have an established band that has a catalog that you know you're going to sell. It's hard to have that foresight. And I feel like that's where, like, and I feel because the culture of how DIY is such a huge thing, like in, in our community, especially like people say, yeah, I can do it on my own. Yeah, I can do it on my own. But when you get a label or you get some type of investor with foresight who has a marketing Mm -hmm. degree or understands the, the tide that is the beast of human attention, Mm -hmm. like, and that is what you're getting in a label. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. like, but people like, I feel like tons of people go like, yeah, we can go independent. It's fine. We'll release stuff. Let's go on Spotify. And then there's this like, how are you going to get 30,000 plays on your first day? Mm-hmm. Well, we put it out. The, the song's good. Doesn't mean shit. No. There's a whole shitload of good stuff. It doesn't song. mean shit. Yeah. Yeah. You can understand shit. the background of it and knowing that. Just because you put it on Spotify doesn't mean that's going to get on playlist. A lot of playlists you have to get in even before you put it out. Yeah. And having those connections beforehand mm-hmm. that a label has because hey, you know we know this person. It's their you know phone they book. talk. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, you, you, you each each person has their own contact. So. It's just, I think. I mean, this is like a different conversation, but like I think that's what's killing. Our genre, because that's why there aren't new bands coming out because there's very little. I mean, there are new bands coming out, but that's why there aren't like the same kind, or I don't know how to say that, or or more of our peers that I know would be more successful if they had the foresight or just were willing to just go like we can get we can get into this whole discussion <laughs> about the next five years of potential music because it. I've lost my fucking mind talking to her about what's going to happen in just the next five, just the next yeah. two years, let alone five years. We'll get into that. Let's let's we'll maybe that'll save that for another day because that's going to we're going to get real angry with that. one. So after that lovely conversation, we're going to move on to uh, everybody's favorite one. That we call OK Stupid. So OK Stupid is real easy. I'm going to explain it to you, but it's not that hard to understand. We take questions from a dating site, very popular dating site. You might know the name of it. And we mutate and translate them to be specifically for musicians. Mel, I think you played this last time with with Jacob. That's fine. So this will be, this will be fun. So ready? Here we go. So the original question is what takes up too much of your time? Musically, what takes up too much of your time? Huh? What would you say eats eats up that extra four hours that you're like, this should have taken 30 minutes? 
Well, I don't, I don't, I, I spend a lot of my time writing and rewriting. Okay. And then overthinking, then going back. Like as of the last three months, it's mm-hmm. been a lot of, this is work. This is fresh. And then me going through the rabbit hole of what's happening on Billboard and what's happening. Oh. And then what's happening on like my music. Yeah. And what's happening in my scene and how I can kind of like bring that together when probably sometimes I just fucking write music and mm-hmm. just see what comes out. I could totally see you doing that, like spending way too much time on it and then just going back to the original idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's happened. That's <laughs> happened a few times. And then there's times where I've like learned a few things okay. because of that. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of my time recreating songs that exist mm. and trying to like understand how they work dynamically. Okay. And that, and then those things never come out. And then the, they probably should. Yeah. There's, there's like, uh, I think I wrote like about 20 songs with Nas, a uh, vocalist in my band mm-hmm. that we purposely just know that aren't just going to be things just because we needed to get into the group. Right. And we needed to understand like what our sound was. But do you think doing those things helped to get you there? Yeah. Skill wise. Yes. Yeah. But creatively. No. Uh, Yes and no. Okay. I wish I could put those things out, mm-hmm. but I, but I, but I feel like the perception of things and how I need to sell my product, sure. and all the, all the, mm-hmm. the nonsense we were talking about like twenty minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Instead of me just being like, I did this. This is cool. Right, right, right. It wouldn't be well, well received, but like it had a function. Yeah. And it had a place, but it wasn't something that I feel like if I put out, people would go like, Yeah, this is cool. Mm-hmm. I spend a, and I'm jealous because I feel like a lot of rappers can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why they can put fucking five mixtapes out. And it doesn't make a difference. Like, like there's plenty of guys that have, like, I have seven mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever heard them. But they're out. Doesn't matter. But I, I can totally see what you mean if you... And it's like an exercise. Mm-hmm. They put it out. For me, in this situation, it was like a mixtape for me. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as, like, recreating genres and trying to find a sound palette that I would be like, yeah, this is new, this is fresh, this mm-hmm. is cool. And then, like, bring that into my music. But I haven't put them out. Because I don't see it working for me in, like, the big picture. Right. Other than me trying to get, like, affirmation from my peers. I mm-hmm. can just show you privately. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's, like... Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel, like, I get that gratification that I would probably want to get on SoundCloud or something like that. I get that. So, next one is, um, have you ever ghosted someone before? So, your question would be, because this actually pertains to something that I just experienced... Have you ever ghosted a client before? Um, so, yes. Um, I think it's bad juju. Mm-hmm. I hate it because I've been I've been on the ghosted end. I call it the California no. Ah. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> I call it the California no. And it's just like, dude, you're going to see that guy. Yeah. You will. You yeah. will. So, like, I try my best. Mm-hmm. But there are some times where I go like, mm, this ain't gonna I, work. I've had a bad experience telling you no. Yeah. Or I've had a bad experience explaining why I'm unavailable or, or something. Mm-hmm. Or or I just say like, hey, I'm booked up. Yeah. And then the conversation should end there. Yeah. Should. <laughs> I like should. I should end there. Doesn't necessarily mean it does end there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. The last one. This is gonna be the tough one for you. Do you consider yourself spontaneous or a planner? So, because I've dealt with just being around your schedule 
a, a fraction, and it seems like you're a little bit of both. I like to, I like to think that I am a planner. Okay. So I believe I have an end goal. Okay. And I believe that the universe is going to give me opportunities that help me get closer to that. But, um, how do I explain this? So if you look at a trend or look at a scatter plot, mm-hmm. my, my, my stuff might be all over the place, but if you zoom out, I'm slowly getting closer and closer to my personal goals. Gotcha. Like as far as like the whole entire Asia tour, mm-hmm. I never, uh, what's it called? I never imagined myself playing Asia this year Okay. or playing outside like, I've always wanted to play the Philippines. I wanted to do it with my band, but mm-hmm. someone gave me the opportunity to do it with another band mm-hmm. on their dime. Right. So that is huge. I'm not going to say no to saying I'm going to practice songs for as long as I can and learning that. Mm-hmm. Does that fit with the goal of getting my project out? No. But if I killed it on that tour and make impressions along the way mm-hmm. and and build relationships there's no way that that thing's not going to pay off. Of you know what I mean? There's no way that that isn't going to help me. And by just by helping other people. And it is very, like, spontaneous, the the fact of, like, hey, I'm going to say yes to helping you. Mm-hmm. It is, like, uh, admittedly, it's, like, intrinsically, like, yeah, this is, I'm, but I'm never going to go, like, yeah, let's catch this. In. Sure. But it's more so, like, doing things like that is going to help build something to the end but see you know what's funny is you touched on something twice right now that that is such a great thing that i with this podcast i've been trying to put out there is you filled in for one band which was redeem revived uh-huh. which eventually got you to be able to fill in for of virtue which eventually got you able to do this uh asia tour and you well, did it again where you're saying like being able to just be a dude be a good be a put yourself in the position to be able to have these opportunities just go out and be a dude. So, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, just just be... So, Mike Kenway, the band in Ghosts that I, I filled in drums for originally, mm-hmm. they live in... Over Virtue is like an hour or something away from... Oh, no shit. ...from in Ghosts. So, that, like, rebuilt that connection. And they were recording in the studio about a similar amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, when I went and hung out with Redeem and did that tour with them, and Over Virtue was talking about finishing their album up with Schroeder, mm-hmm. and then... Canway said they just finished their album with Schroeder. I'm like, wow, he just came and went. So these guys must have crossed paths. Mm-hmm. So I saw this kind of thing going like, well, these guys must be friends. And they weren't. Mm-hmm. Like, close. They've known of each other. They're, they're like, they're in the ballpark, just kind of like how we would know of bands that exist in our scene, sure. but we don't, we might not have gotten the chance to play with them. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of that kind of vibe. And then, since they know that I do flights to tour within Ghosts mm-hmm. to to do that run and come back and fly back home to Cali, they're like, well, this dude's this dude does it already. Mm-hmm. This dude flies to play drums mm-hmm. and then he flies with his gear. Like, he'll do it. Yeah. So why not call him? We know that he travels because he's worked and like we know he has a passport. So I was like, I wasn't the first pick because there were people in town that they opted for. Sure. They didn't have passports, nor did they have travel experience. Mm-hmm to fly mm-hmm. with with the yeah. symbol case and cleverly get that on your overhead and mm-hmm. like shit like that like stuff that you would think would be those are a lot of logistics that people don't think about right. that made me like 
a better candidate logistically. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to admit I'm not the best drummer. Mm-hmm. I probably took a lot longer to learn those songs. But like you said, I was... You, you positioned yourself in ways that made you a viable option. Yeah and, yeah. and I'm very okay with staying up all night to learn how to play yeah, we know. the song. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Um, okay. So, uh, Chris, your turn. Ready? Okay. Real easy one. Okay, we're going to throw you an underhanded pitch, right? <laughs> What's your favorite thing about your job? I get to be with people that I love their music. Mm-hmm. And I get to share that in other ways than most people. And I get to build that person or that rapport with them mm-hmm. that they text me. And this is freaking rad. Like I messaged her. I'll be like, oh, look it. Look at who messaged me. Yeah. And they're just saying like, oh, happy birthday or hi. Or, That's cool. Or something that you're just like, crap. Like, I know that they're a regular person, but, you know, you have in your head that, oh, they're from this band and they take time out. And you're just like, I get to work with them. I get to be that back mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes. So that's cool. And then like with some of the ones they've actually put me in their, um, their booklets under the thank yous. And I'm just like, I got it in there. That's pretty <laughs> rad. <laughs> you know? Um, so the next one's going to be, the original question is a little weird, which I don't know why they would put this on the dating site, but which Disney villain would you play tetherball with? Yeah. So, which Disney villain would you want to see in a band? Oh. I don't know. That's you a... Know? Can see, you can see Ursula fronting a punk band? Well, that's the thing. Like, each of them can be marketed a certain way, and you can have, like, their own, like, stage persona. Mm-hmm. So, it's a matter of, like, what you want. So, I don't know. Like, that. that's hard. That's a tough one? Yeah. Because each of them can, like... What punk goes Disney cover? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so... That'd be so dope, right? Yeah. Have Scar sing sing the death metal song? Oh my god! <laughs> well, here's the thing: you get that Disney um, fan base who mm-hmm. pretty much they're so loyal, and you bring it into a music where they're not usually exposed to mm-hmm. new audience. Dope. They're gonna try yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's because you but it has that. to be marketed by yeah. Disney in, in that yeah. sense, or yeah. or pushed that way. Yeah. Damn Disney. <laughs> <laughs> So no, nobody you can think of. Just too many. Yeah. Too many. Too, too many awesome bands that could be possible. That'd be dope. Yeah, yeah. That'd be dope. Okay. Last one then. Um, so the original question is: Who is your role model of the opposite sex? Um, I would probably say something more like: Who is your role model in a band? Mm-hmm. Would you say you had a role model from a band? Doesn't have to be a heavy band. It can be like not so heavy band, but. You have something that you look at that would be something of a role model. I don't know. You don't know? Yeah. Is that a tough one? Yeah, because I was going to think you were going to go like along the lines of like people with an industry. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, that's what I was like. No. Um, not even like a Gwen Stefani or a uh, Pink. I'm, I'm trying to go with anything with pink hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really haven't thought of those. Thought of that. Okay. Yeah, that's a little tough one. Hmm. Yeah. What about you, Mel? Do you have anybody, any female musicians that would be uh, uh, an influence? Huh. Except for Billie Eilish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, well, for one, the girl who ran Kyoto Mojo's sound, I need to figure out how she EQ'd her kick drum. <laughs> like, that's the shout you out You should have asked her, man. Yeah. You should have just... Uh, uh, I mean... 
I, you, I should you, have asked Tatsu to ask her. That would, like, yeah. I wouldn't be. I, I need to learn how to speak Jap- mm-hmm. Japanese. <laughs> but um, you need the Google Translator. Google Translator. Yeah, it, it's uh, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. No, because they have the one where you can um, record it, and then it goes back. My parents did that when they went to oh, Europe. Oh, really? Yeah. That yeah. that happened to me in 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 small segments, but uh, I feel like when when I was. Because we had one day only with uh, uh, this guy named Kent. Uh, he was our photographer. Mm-hmm. And then he was with us guiding us back. Because we went to uh, the Pokemon uh, <laughs> Pokemon Center. So I was talking to him with Google Translate. Yeah. And that was... It was rough. <laughs> oh. Wasn't, wasn't but, quite as accurate as you hoped. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was... I had to, like, reword things. Because, like, uh. like, certain things don't translate the way yeah, but that makes as, sense. as far as a female i mean i like paramore okay a lot, Haley's I guess. a good one yeah so Haley, Haley's a good one um trying to think of who's really clever in in a business setting as yeah. an artist who leads themselves as a as an influencer kind of like that that i'm aware of that that i'm like well versed in I might have to get back to you too on that, but I'm pretty sure there's a ton. I'm just I can't not... think of it right now. The You're o- just like cool. yeah. the only one that <laughs> it's the lights, it's the camera. Yeah. <laughs> the only one that comes to mind is something like a Sarah Longfield that's been oh, able to Sarah. to kind of bridge the gap between not just being talented but able to make herself a brand, able to work oh. with like Strandberg. Oh, I I, t- I talked to you about this on the last uh, what's it called the last podcast we we did, but. Um, Shoot the girl from Crazy Eighty Eight. I just started getting like real deep like, into them. Really? Their their video presence is fucking brilliant. Yeah. So like that. That's the reason why I'm because they understand that that's the new media. Yeah. That they understand that, and then she has like three projects. Uh, Lewitt, something Lewitt, right? I have her. Uh, I have her on Instagram. It's something Lewitt. Yeah. It's it's. I'm really, I'm really bad at this, but, but I know, I know we don't, I'll, I'll put I'm a bad link with names. Like yeah. I forgot that you didn't drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure out in the link dump where we can put, where we can link to uh, crazy 88. But yeah, but their, their media presence is amazing. I, sw- I, I think I YouTubed one video and I just went down the rabbit hole. Like almost everything has a video. Yeah. Right. It was, it was nuts. And then it. They're they're beating that whole entire like they beat the algorithm. They yeah. they win it in that yeah. sense. And when you're thinking about it like that, that's the work ethic that I wish I had. Yeah. I and mean, I wish I had the foresight to understand. Absolutely. So yeah, shout out to, to Crazy her. 88. <laughs> Crazy eighty eight. Crazy eighty eight. That's good. That's why I think okay. you want to take two seconds. Yeah. Edit. Sarah. Sarah does not eat anything that has been sitting. Did it stop completely? No, it didn't. Oh, it exhausted? It wouldn't be. So when you took it out, it beef, right? Oh, yeah. So that's when it cut. You, you can cut it. Yeah, you can absolutely interrupt us. You can say you you well you I've can done say. How uh, uh, for it that unorganic stuff? There's like a fifty percent one. How far along is the uh, the timestamp on the recording? An hour. Okay, we're almost there.
Not overriding anything, right? No, it's not. There you go. You're good. Hey, check, 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 check. Still good? Nope. Nothing's going. Check. I'm not seeing. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, you're good. You're good. There you go. Hello. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, last one. For you. Yeah, it's my turn. Okay, so the originals, what's the stupidest thing you've ever spent money on? For you, what's the stupidest piece of gear you spent money on? If we were asking you, it would be every single one of my guitars. No. So, um, <laughs> probably, uh, it was, honestly, it was probably a pedal. Um, I probably bought a pedal that uh, I can't even remember the name of it right now because I, I probably turned it around as soon as I could. Oh, man. <laughs> it was absolutely useless. Um, most likely it was a, either an overdrive or a noise gate because that's all I buy. So, you can yeah. drive over. Pro- probably, probably that. Probably, <laughs> probably a, a um, yeah, probably, probably a pedal that I just didn't end up using. Okay. What is... Okay, so I didn't write the whole thing, but what is an awkward family tradition? What's an awkward practice tradition that you do? Um, uh, I mean, you really shouldn't practice chromatic scales, but I constantly do chromatic scales. Just one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two. Like it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything other than make your hands move. It doesn't. I can show you some cool places to do that. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's like, I hate doing scales. I hate doing modes. I don't have the mind for that because you have to, you know, be thinking about where things go and, and each note as you're going to it. But chromatic scales, it's, it's just a dumb caveman way to go. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, all the way up and down. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can think of right now. And the last one, it says, what car- cartoon character do you identify with? What professional music- musician do you identify with? Oh, God, none, because I'm not professional. Um, <laughs> let's see. I guess uh, I guess if I had to say anything, it'd be uh, Ben Weinman from Dillinger, uh, mainly because he's, he, besides how massively talented he is, uh, he has a very interesting perspective on, I'm going to do what I want to do, and if you like it, cool. If you don't, that's fine too, but I'm not playing for you. I'm playing for myself first, and I'm going to do that. Um, everything that Weinman does is always up to the end of Dillinger was always an emotional release first. It was, how do I get these emotions out and on record? Um, and then hopefully you, you know, you buy the record. Uh, it's never been, I'm going to play something and you're going to buy the record and then I'm going to attach, you know, emotions to it afterwards. It's always been like, no, I have this thought. I have this thing that I have to get out. And if it doesn't get out, I'm not, I'm going to be unhealthy because of it. I was, I always felt like I connected with something like that, where uh, a lot of my music career has always been, let me play what's going to hopefully make me successful. And at my age now, clearly that's not going to happen. So let me play something that 
I enjoy doing first. And then if you like it, cool. If you don't, then, you know, whatever. But at least I got the idea out. A simple one. Yeah. And also with the the gear, the buying, mm -hmm. I bought you guitars, so yeah, you I can't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I bought you the Wyman, yeah. so. <laughs> so uh, we got time for one more question for you, Mel. And uh, this one came up pretty recently because I got into a pretty uh, heated argument with my drummer. Huh. Um, he got he got in this thing about program drums, and we're finishing up our record. And you know, mm -hmm. there's a couple things in there that had to be sampled. And and you and I know that it's part of the process; it's part of the business. Mm -hmm. um, but it did get me thinking, and it and it did put me in the position to kind of put you on on a pedestal where you have such a interesting perspective on being a drummer being a multi-talented musician i know you've been able to play bass oh, thanks play guitar um but you're also an engineer and producer mm -hmm. and being being an arson doing what we do you know we were looking for somebody that was going to be able to track real drums and just going down the line so many producers basically gave us the finger saying i don't do that anymore we program drums and that's it you know that's it's faster it's easier it's better than what the drummer can put out um, recently, even with the band that you just recently saw, Dragged Under, um, they did all guitars through Ampsons. Uh -huh. um, I'm getting to the point to where it's starting to feel like there's less of a balance of, you know, having these great pieces of gear, amp, microphones, boards, um, preamps, mixing, you know, all these, all these things that kind of go into uh, engineering a original sounding record compared to the ability to plug in everything to a computer, still get good tones, but shortcutting a certain amount of work. Like, do you feel like there's a balance? Do you feel like as what you, with what you do, with who you work with, with all the things around mm. you, has that job become, I wouldn't say obsolete, but. Oh, it's definitely not obsolete. Mm. No, no, not at all. Um, my perspective on that is mainly if the budget and time calls for it. Okay. So like say if say if I want to put out a record because I or like say I want to be creative. Mm -hmm. Like when I write with my band, I say fuck it with tone, mm -hmm. fuck it with the drum stuff. I want to write music. So mm -hmm. why am I sitting down here? I'm sitting here to write and get ideas out. Mm -hmm. And then I've often sat down with many an artist or many many a band or even myself starting out like when it comes down to uh when is it going? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's, major. it's not moving forward, but yeah. it's going. Okay. And you can Sorry. see that thing. I've, I've sat down with many a band and, and then we'll, we'll sit there fucking with the guitar tone. Hours. And then we won't write, we won't finish what we sat down there to do. Mm -hmm. And I, and I've known like even producers like Sam will spend a day on guitar tone, mm -hmm. but he doesn't even let the band track with an amp tone. Oh, like for certain things. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like that's not a part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. Like in the time that we're doing this, we're mm -hmm. we're writing chords. We want to hear the we want to we want to hear the whole bar. Mm -hmm. We want to hear the whole thing. So that's his approach. So it like within reason, if it's in practice, I mean, if it's practical to record real drums, mm -hmm. if your drummer's a fucking monster and if he's good mm -hmm. and if you can play the songs the way you want them to, mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. the the budget that you've provided, then yeah. For me, like with the record that I'm trying to work with right now, like 
live drums, I, I don't think they're going to make it to the record. And every record that I've done has live drums for, mm-hmm. for my own project mm-hmm. because I want to get it out soon. Like I want to, I want to put, I want to put music out. Sure. Like that's more important to me right now. Yeah. So, but like I, I can say, like down the line, like a year later, when when I can get like when I get a budget to not have to work for someone and sit down behind a drum set. Um, basically, I'm saying right now I'm not good enough to record the song. I don't know, but but I, I, here's and see that's why that's why I asked the question because. My ego won't let me accept that computers are replacing humans in, in something art, artistic like music. Yes and no. You just have to know that you're in control. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my brain mm-hmm. like saying and that might be like, OK, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Like that's my mentality. Right. So I sit behind this computer, but this computer doesn't write songs for me right. and it never will. Right. Like at least in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And the songs like even that random gent like app that you can find mm-hmm. that you can download it, it's repeating the same thing and eventually it's going to write stuff that it already wrote mm-hmm. but you can write something that it hasn't and that's something that maybe i can beg you to like or i can open your mind to understanding that it's a tool so you can get more of your ideas out mm-hmm. so the mechanical process of recording drums is gone okay so the mechanical process of recording guitar is gone and you can focus on playing new things mm-hmm. And if you want to get on the creative aspect of creating tone, set a day aside for that, and mm-hmm. that be your primary focus. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be like the biggest thing now for how studios are handling stuff. I am, I admittedly in the budgets that we have access to, or that what we have seen, because I I like I'm constantly dunked into premium situations and then back home. Right, right. Premium situations right, right. and back home. Great, like million dollar studios go into like sphere. Where like Lincoln Park did stuff and mm-hmm. then back home. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, I get it. Mm-hmm. If if you have all the time and money in the world to write something and to make something where you get people you where you have runners getting your shit right. for you but and people patching your amp and tell telling you like, Well, do you want this tone on this record? But now you have like and, and getting the real gear to do that. And now you have like Kempers, mm-hmm. and now you have like all these things that can just replicate a tone. Right. And most people like I guess aren't passionate about the tone process, aren't passionate about the engineering. Mm-hmm. And because like, let's be honest, you picked up a guitar because you want to play guitar. Sure. You want to write music mm-hmm. or that's what it ended up becoming. And now people like, and fiddling with knobs is a very mechanical process that a very particular person enjoys doing. Yeah. yeah. And, and becomes passionate about, I became passionate about drum sound when I realized that I couldn't afford to get someone else to do it. Mm. I became passionate about recording music because I realized I couldn't afford to pay someone to do it. Yeah. And, and has it become a huge staple of how I write music? Yes. Mm. But I didn't wake up and say, I wanted to record. So I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody, you know, I mean, you fall into it. Yeah. I don't think that I I do believe that there is a certain kind of musician that starts Mm -hmm. out playing music and goes, you know what? Like this is cool and all, but I want to be able to also do this. And then that slowly becomes the primary focus. Yeah. Because they're like, you want to be an artist and you want to create art. And at a certain point you go, I'm just better at doing this. I'm better at helping somebody else's art. And and with all due respect, I don't know who like we're talking about in terms of the recording process, like for different 
studios. Like sure. in the situation from Dragged Under, I know that that project started and launched very quickly, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was strategic. Mm-hmm. So, um, in, in that context, maybe the producers that we have access to don't aren't passionate about like making new tone or mm-hmm. recording drums organically. Mm-hmm. I'm a drummer, so I'm all like I. I should know how to do that. Sure. Especially like my primary goal for recording drums was to make YouTube videos because mm-hmm. I got largely rewarded for that in my first YouTube BS thing with my like dad's camera when I was like 12. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I should keep doing this. This is cool. And then that became the passion. So recording drums was the first objective, sure. which isn't the thing for a guitarist, which isn't the thing for most producers. So to answer your question, like, it if if you could have the budget and you could have the thing mm-hmm. to just record drums mm-hmm. live and organically do it every time it is worth it in the process your drummer becomes a better drummer your 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 band understands what's going on when mm-hmm. you play a song mm-hmm. your band understands where your drummer pushes and pulls mm-hmm. and you are able to catch things that you shouldn't catch at shows yeah. or shouldn't catch at rehearsals mm-hmm. you catch that in the writing process or the recording process mm-hmm. But most of the, especially how most people live, they don't have a, well, we, like we, a place. That, we've know. run into that before. I, you know, I want a $20,000 record on a $500 budget. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how many times we've gone through that. Um, I just, I've just always had the, you know, it's one thing when you're a, a, Mal, a Matt Halpern that can put out your drum tones and they're like, this is the Matt Halpern tone. When you see guys that are, not Matt Halpern sounding like Matt Halpern. It just, it, it's a little defeatist for me. It's a little bit like, well, yeah. yo, like, go find your sound. Go work on your sound. Go work to become the next Matt Halpern, not just a clone. Yeah. And, and to add on that, I feel like it sucks because, like, most of the time, like, I, I've been in situations where I see the guitarist is just writing the drum parts for the drummer. Mm-hmm. And because he can imagine the tone. Mm-hmm. And which I go, like, how the fuck did you play that? Yeah, like yeah, with, fucking eight with, arms. Yeah, with your and your head hitting mm-hmm. the third symbol, and maybe mm-hmm. your dick is hard enough to hit the snare. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but yeah, that that's that's the unre- like something that I feel like even the guitarist discovers. Like, oh, you can't play that. Yeah, yeah dude, I don't have like five hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just something that's been on my mind. That's something I think that I think we're gonna reach a tipping point. Uh, soonish, I, I, maybe not in 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 major music because I do feel like there's a lot of major bands that are um, making the digital thing okay, where it doesn't sound digital but it is digital, like you know it's digital. Mm-hmm. But I do think that soon there's going to be a tipping point, the complete other way, where oh, it's happening. You you feel like it's already happening? Oh oh yeah, like like if you look like uh shoot, uh, is it Bruno Mars? Like, there was this huge influx, I think, five years ago, mm-hmm. where everyone was like, let's get, like, legit bands mm-hmm. on records. And and even now, so, because of the resurgence of emo, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're seeing, like, bands become a thing, but not in the way we're used to. Okay. So, you'll see those people featured on records, and I get it, sometimes they might be just slate drums, but you'll see those people, like, like Travis Barker mm-hmm. is on Top 40 releases. Mm-hmm again mm-hmm. and it's sick and i don't know how much of that like because I, I i haven't like dissected the production i i don't know how much of that is actually him yeah but like the notion of that and how 
like when I watched Ariana Grande and they had a gospel drummer instead of just tracks. Yeah. Different energy. Right. Made me completely appreciate the show. Right. Made me love it to a completely different degree. And mm. that that's a thing that I don't think anybody like groove and human Push human forward. dynamic yeah. is something that a computer can't create in the for in my foreseeable future. Right. Watch I'm gonna eat my words in like five years. No, but <laughs> but, but see for now. For me that goes back to that goes back to the like you said, the human element. The problem with the human element right now is there's not enough drummers. Period. Like for me, there's just the amount of talented drummers that exist in the world. Just well, no I think social. Like I think if you go to the Midwest, mm-hmm. well, I think if you go to like places where there are basements and houses that are more spread apart, mm-hmm. you'll find drummers. Okay. Like in Cali, yeah. <laughs> I I can only play between the hours of X. Like right. You know what I mean? And and a lot of our friends probably live in apartments. Yeah. And like. That that's just not a place for a drum set. You just see drummers even within the bands; they just keep on going. They jump. They, yeah, they jump between. That's why you yeah. have one drummer in six bands. Well, Art. Yeah. yeah. He just got for Lamb of God. Yeah. Oh, you, you see and one. And he wins, and he does prong. Yeah. You see yeah. one Same talented thing. drummer having to be split. Mm-hmm. Portnoy. 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 Yeah. Port- well, I, I, I just <laughs> think like young drummers aren't like. I mean, they exist. Yeah. But I just don't feel like they're like, especially in metal. Like one, it's hard to get into metal like as a young kid now. Mm-hmm. So you don't see a lot of like fresh metal drummers just mm-hmm. because it's just not it's not revered. Mm-hmm. They they become other things. Yeah. Like even metal drummers become other things to some degree. Yeah. Like wasn't Matt Halpert like just like a pop church drummer or something like I that? I believe so. And then he became like, yo, dude, you'd be killing yeah. it. And, and then he did. So like it I just feel like it's not rewarding like in the metal world unless you want to do metal so like that's kind of like or or if like a band like goes like hey like you want to tour mm-hmm. and then like that guy falls in love with that process but as far as like i'm like i just don't feel like society breeds drummers or rewards drummers you because you're a humble guy in the back playing for everybody else even your own band mm-hmm. that's what that job is and most people that I know who are in music want spotlight, want attention, mm-hmm. want affirmation, want... And that's not a bad thing, you know what I mean? But, like, it's it like it's like a meme. Person. Huh? Take a certain type of person. Yeah, it's Basically like... that with anything. I saw this them. meme that... Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. I just mm-hmm. saw this meme that's like, what's it like playing uh, in a band with, two, like, two eight-string bassists? And you're talking to a bass player. It's like, yeah, it's got, I've got four strings, but it's honest work. <laughs> like, I feel like being a drummer, it's like, it, and if, if you're a good drummer, it, it's honest work. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're playing for your dudes, playing for other people. Mm-hmm. And if you love your dudes, you'll do it. Or if you love the process and you love seeing the world and you love everything about not, like, being... And there are some drummers that break that mold and have, like, a persona outside of or in inclusive of their playing but if you're a drummer in someone else's band or a drummer in a it, it's not really the not most you yeah but it's not the most revered thing so like not a lot of people think about it therefore there aren't a lot of people i can see that I can one see that. aaron yeah. aaron yeah yeah, yeah. So aaron's doing faceless he did born of osiris the interloper was x-rings like mm-hmm. yeah. he's made his round <laughs> yeah that, that dude's nuts <laughs> mm-hmm. he really is Shout out to Aaron for just being awesome. Nastash. 
Well, I think that's it for today. I think we 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 Ooh. hit that limit. <laughs> I think we got our brains clear. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you too, buddy. Thanks for digging into it. So uh, this was Keep Chugging and our first video cast, which I think we almost killed the camera twice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, tune in to hopefully next episode mm-hmm. where we'll have some more fun shit to talk about. Thank yeah. you, Mel. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> you. Appreciate this puppy for puppy. dealing with the seat. <laughs> <laughs> Later.